Hello, welcome to Robin and Josie's Book Shambles, which is our new podcast. We're so happy to be back broadcasting again to the internet, commissioned by no one on a rolling commission for as long as we are alive. I heard the fans were crying out for it. Oh, the fan was clamouring. <laughs> he was clamouring to us. Um, and Josie, Josie, our Patreon account. Another dollar's come in. That must be seven this month. I think it is, Josie. And but you only take dollars. That might be the problem. <laughs> we only take Hong Kong dollars. That's all we take. Uh, Hong Kong and Tobago dollars. Those are the only dollars we accept. Um, but uh, we are actually genuinely thrilled that people have supported us on this. And I'm so happy this is our second uh, podcast. And please let me introduce uh, our the co-host, more like the sidekick of the podcast, Mr. Robin Hood. Very sexist of you, Josie. Sexist to men, yes. And very more sexist to men. Today we've got two-thirds of the programme is women. Yep. Um, no, we're so thrilled to have our guest, the wonderful Sarah Pasco. Hey! So, Sarah, as a woman, what do you uh. think... What do you think women like reading? Well, I can speak for all women. Because <laughs> I am one. Yes. So um, I think women like furry books. Oh, yeah. There's a real gap in the market. Uh, so we could stroke them mm. like a kitten while reading about um, men in a serving position sexually satisfying us. <laughs> oh. oh, that was initially, <laughs> I felt that was a really like. lovely feminine take on books <laughs> oh. and then became grotesque. This is the thing about women that people don't understand. We are disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, no, I saw one once. There was a woman called Divine in Pink Flamingos. Oh, she was disgusting. The um, so actually, we... I saw that. I was so annoyed. I missed the John Waters season at the BFI. Oh, uh, I haven't too. seen Pink Flamingos on the big screen since I was eighteen years old and sat in the Scarlet Cinema and went, "What is going on?" <laughs> in a really brilliant and kind yes. of like. Everything like, changes. Way I love yeah. to see John Waters speak as well. I saw him at university, and it really was very informative and like um, changing. Just for any listeners and me who don't know who John Waters is. <gasps> okay. uh, Do you not know who John Waters is? No. Have you seen the film Crybaby? No. The, well, the obvious one to start with is Hairspray. Hairspray, oh, okay. Crybaby, Pink Flamingos, Desperate <gasps> Living. Them. Oh, really? Yes. Div- Pink Flamingos, which was his big film, 1972, okay. is about Babs Devine, who wants to be the filthiest person alive. <laughs> uh, famously ends with Devine uh, eating some real uh, dog poop. Oh. And people think, oh, that would oh. be really disgusting. That must be the most disgusting bit of the film. <laughs> but it's not. <laughs> it is a... It's not. <laughs> it was kind of like... Um... She sucks it out yeah. of her own nose. <laughs> it's really... but it, but And then yeah, hair, hairspray changed... He's okay. kind of, and, and he's a very entertaining speaker. There was oh, wow. a, an interesting film done by uh, Jeff Garlin, I think, was involved in the. Oh, his uh, biography. Oh, the biography yeah. of Divine. There's a brilliant film. Oh, that's another, yeah. Divine. Oh. And also, but um, he's just somebody whose films are so brash and sassy and clever and unashamed and these mainstream feels like um like crybaby and hairspray really quite successful in their yeah. own right fatty fatty two by four can't get yourself through the dressing room door hi i'm mr pinky anyway so we're not here okay. quite grotesque as well uh, okay. his books are very into he wrote a book oh, yeah. uh he's written one book which was uh all about bad taste called shock value uh mm. he his most recent book uh is about him hitchhiking across america just he thought he would oh. and of course sometimes people pick him up and go you're John Warden. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and he did a fantastic exhibition. Uh, it's a really small exhibition of um, stuff in a little London gallery recently. And it included things like children reading out the script of Pink Flamingos. Oh. Obviously, all changed so it didn't have anything, mm. some of the rudeness. Oh, but wow. seeing the kids dressed up as Divine and Mink Stole. And then he does this kind of National Enquirer parody, but it's uh, all of kind of New York writers and oh. stuff like that. You know, kind of awful shots of. Uh, 
you know, the, the, the cellulite of J.D. Salinger. Oh. That's kind of oh, the idea. Eating that a bin. <laughs> yeah. So we highly right. recommend, well, I certainly okay. highly recommend John Waters' books. We are joined by Sarah Pascoe, who we haven't introduced. Sarah Pascoe, who Hello. is... Uh, well, you've done so many. You, you were nominated for the Edinburgh Award last year. You yes, yeah. are on, You're doing TV. a book at the moment, aren't you? Yeah, I'm, actually, I'm about a week away from finishing my first complete draft of my wow. book. Wow. Yeah. And how do you know that you're a week away? Oh, because they say, <laughs> if it's not here in a week, we're going to sue you. <laughs> so, and you just go, oh, it's that, it's that time. <laughs> I think I'm ready. <laughs> so what is, can you tell us anything? Yeah. Is it non-fiction or fiction? It's non-fiction. And I, I wanted to write, I knew a little bit, I found out a little bit about um, new theories of, uh, well, it's not new, it's from the 60s, but basically sperm selection and how um, sperm compete. And this happens in lots of animals, but in human beings it happens. And then reading up around that, I realised that there's this really interesting evolution of women and female sexuality and the female body, actually, because everything's done from a male, an androcentric, what they call, point of view. It's all these things with women. They're like, yeah, we just don't know. It could be this, could be that. But, like, huge things, like breasts. Like, yeah, it could be because we used to live underwater for a bit and they, like, floated. <laughs> or it could oh, be. Oh, so the aquatic ape theory, <laughs> yeah, the, well, the, the Elaine Morgan ape, well, yeah, The aquatic ape theory is so great because everyone occasionally goes, oh, <laughs> could be because we were underwater for a bit, but there's no evidence. But also, we still don't know it any other way. So it could still be that. <laughs> oh. Like, with the fact that we've lost our body hair and things like that. So I've been reading up about the body hair loss. This is what I've been doing this week. Speak so, for yourself, so, Mars come <laughs> through the roof. <laughs> and it looks really nice up there. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. So. Yeah, so, but so now with them, they've found the gene, which means they now know when we lost hair. So they've had a million years between hair and clothes. Well, they thought the two things must have coincided because we must have been much colder, but we weren't. It's just a million years of everyone yeah. being so like two things. Out. Clothes they know because of the fossilised of the lice. They know the kind of lice that live in clothes because all of the lice that live in you are different lice. And so there's a million years Not in between. Not those fancy clothes living lice. Because yeah. they know the gene for when our skin got darker because it had to because we didn't have hair to protect us from UV rays. And so, so, so that really like exact time it. that Adam mm. and Eve ate that apple, you, they can pinpoint it. Because... Well, well, in a way they can because we nearly died out. So this is the thing. It's obviously the Bible thing. I mean, it's a great story, but none of us in this room that we don't adhere to that as the yep. But because um, human be- Homo sapiens went down to such a small number, probably, of people when before we left Africa and went around Europe. Actually, there was a really, really, really small amount of people that we're all related to. Wow. Mitochondrial yeah. Eve. Mitochondrial Eve. Uh, yeah. It's very exciting for me to be with both of you, actually, because both of you are the two people that I know who are the most voracious readers and who are sort of the best read in, in terms of science and social sciences and things like that. But I've got nothing to ask you. No, well, no, no. I to, so this yeah. is something that I don't know if your book deals yeah. with, uh, whether it fits in with it, is Jared Diamond, who wrote oh, yes. Gun Germ yes. for Steel, oh, yes. the, the concealed menstruation. Yes, OK, which this is, is really interesting. So this is, a, yeah. I'll just give the background yeah. of the thing for the the, uh, the listen, which is uh, most animals, it is, uh, it, it's ovulation is overt. Yes. Uh, is is uh, they they are there as you've seen in various estrus, different kind of monkeys and it, yeah. apes, which is basically going yes, it's now yeah. you come on hurry up and they it's a display. Mm-hmm. Whereas in human females, uh, it, ovulation it's is concealed. concealed yeah. You're far more enigmatic. Yeah. So what are the theories? If you can oh, give me a couple, so there's a couple. It's, of... it's really really interesting concealed ovulation because. We, so there, there are other apes that have concealed ovulation, but it's not as exciting a story to say that um, because right. um, concealed ovulation is all to do with pair bonding and it's to do with having consistent sex. And it's also to do with paternity uncertainty because in a social 
way, people are much kinder to kids they might be related to. Sure. And um, every animal has, um, every animal species usually has a thing where if uh, if you're invaded by new males in your tribe, they kill all of the young, impregnate all of the females, start all over again. Part of our evolution is becoming uh, conscious beings was that uh, we got a lot more. And also we have, um, we have to have such sporadic young. So even kind of... Uh, 500,000 years ago we probably couldn't have had more than one child every four years because we were lactating for three and a half years with that child so we wouldn't have had another child again or those children would have died so they think that the this very gradual thing to completely concealed ovulation we do have very very slight signals like uh mucus changes people don't tend to be in touch with this but mucus changes dressing up fancy dressing up fancy pheromones is a really interesting thing because some scientists think that we Pheromones are just hormones in the air, so we definitely emit them, but the part of our brain that is able to um, find them, the genes have atrophied, which is so amazing. Like, So it's hundred million years old genes, but we don't have the facility to smell pheromones anymore. Yet when they do experiments, they'll find things like if a man has sat in a chair in a waiting room that's empty, and then a woman goes in the next but it's empty, she will sit in the chair the man sat in. But it's not 100%. But, See, that's the trouble with... Because you've done yes, shows about this yeah. as well. I remember once having a, a, a long show where... To, they're all long. Mm. It was dragging on for ages. But <laughs> there was... Uh, what, what I had this whole thing about when someone turns to you and goes, why do you love me? Yeah. And I went through all the different scenarios yeah. and then it went because, of course, it, it, that's much better to say yeah. these different things yeah. about... It's a dopamine the cycle in the brain. <laughs> yeah, but if you, if you end up saying, uh, because your pheromones match my olfactory mm. receptors, yes. and then, of course, immediately biologists came up to me and went, well, actually, that research now. And then you but go, so I don't yeah, care about it? the research. Yeah. I care came up with an effective punchline. Yes, yeah. And, and it uh, made me as, look clever. Yeah, I yeah. Have, I'm not reading another copy of Nature yeah. until this <laughs> tour is over. Yeah, it's really interesting, isn't it, how you can upset people because you're, they think you should be on their side and you're not quite enough. Or, well, yeah, and also... Because we're comedians, so we're flippant at the end of it. Yeah. And they're like, oh, you are so nearly... <laughs> and also <laughs> it's like, I'm annoyed that some of your research wasn't accurate. It's like... The whole joke wasn't accurate. Yeah. Like in the joke, I was in space. Yeah. Like the fact that at the end, I made a small yes. error. Yeah. You shouldn't worry yeah, about yeah. that. I, like, I think when stuff is written down, like with journalism or even with blogs, I think it's completely fine to say, it's so easy to add an addendum or go, yeah, yeah, this yeah. has come updated or actually now link to this because this has come out since I wrote this. Yeah. But I think with yeah the stuff that's spoken, it has to be taken. Well, but there is an increasing, I think, yeah. number of stand ups who perhaps do require. Uh, either some kind of button that the audience can press <laughs> or some kind of asterisk that can appear. Oh, that's a lovely and, idea. And, just, and then suddenly it just goes underneath <gasps> and we just stop for a moment, the footnote appears and they go, anyway, back to the olfactory yeah. receptors. Once I, I saw a show, a show at the Barbican that was in Russian, but then they had these like, uh, the subtitles kind of stream across. We should just have that underneath. Yeah. <laughs> All stand-up shows, like here are my references. Yes. No, so they do know their friend did say that. That was the date and that's the friend's name. Uh, <laughs> Everything's got to be qualified from beautiful. now on. Yeah. But that would be a beautiful, but it's like having your own director's commentary yeah. the whole way through. Yeah. Like, I, re- I mean, it would definitely be distracting. You definitely get pockets of people laughing at something you'd written down halfway through something else you were doing. Well, have you ever done a show where the majority of the audience uh, speak the same language as you? Mm-hmm. You're delivering the show in, but there are some people who are having it translated mm-hmm. for them. Yeah, like, whispering, for, I, I, whispering. I did a show with yes, yeah, some uh, there, there was a group of Polish people yeah. and they had one translator. Yeah. And uh, sometimes you would not get a laugh from the English audience, mm. then get a laugh from the Polish ha, audience. Like, so sometimes you think the translator's got yes. better delivery than yeah. me. But then you'd also, 
it's a, yeah, it's a fascinating thing to see the different things work. Oh, so going love it back, if the to... translator's just going. He's just said some old bollocks. <laughs> and then, anyway, sorry. Uh... Nobody laughed at his joke. <laughs> 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 so Jared yeah. Diamond suggests oh, yes. that he and I don't know because yeah. Why Sex is Fun came out probably and nearly twenty his, years was, ago. For Jared um, Diamond as well, that book was like his pamphlet because he wrote a much better one on the same subject called The Third Chimpanzee. Or The Rise and Fall of yeah, yeah, the yeah, there's, there's two different titles. Those books oh, and I've not so, yet read so, them. So, why, the, the fun one is actually, I mean, it's, it's proper pop science and that anyone can read it and some stuff has changed. Like in that book, he says that we are the only animal that has a menopause because at that point we were because they didn't know about some mm. of the whales. And actually, we're not the only animal that has a menopause but the menopause is really important because... Um, grandparents especially grandmothers are really really because of the because we give birth to our children before they're ready we have to have all of this parental investment and with tri- they've done a study now with tribes and they found that a baby is more likely to survive with a grandmother's investment than a father's like in, if you have to choose between the two in terms of the caring so women have to stop creating their own children so they can start putting their resources into their grandchildren wow. so this is a bold thing but um, some whales have it as well because the exactly same reason they have uh, grandmother investment and so that's say, the, first, the first books that we will recommend then. Yes. Are, oh, absolutely. Uh, Jared Diamond, both versions of that. Yes. If you haven't got as much time, yeah. the, the Why Sex is Fun. And his later books as well. Yeah, are, um, or Collapse. Germs and Steel. Uh, Collapse is so yeah. great. If you like Vikings especially. What's <laughs> Collapse about? Um, Collapse is about all of the great, um, oh, I guess not even the great, um, it's about uh, civilizations that fell and why. Oh, no, and the things, I... the things that they have in common, Josie. But I feel like if I read that now, I'd be like, we're on the brink. Well, we are on the brink. Oh, Celebrity don't... chefs. Why celebrity chefs? Because just the point where a society gets too big is usually gluttonous and celebrity chefs suddenly happen. Like It happened in ancient Rome. It happens everywhere. It's this odd thing where people become like obsessed with something that should because they've got too much. Paul you know when Hollywood you were... is yeah. the harbinger of the yes, apocalypse. Yes, doom, that's it. Yeah, the oh four horsemen of the apocalypse are actually Mel and Sue <laughs> doubling up. I'm really sorry, but that's, that's the way it is. Although, if we have to have an apocalypse, I would oh, yeah. say, I'd be happy to have I'd follow those Paul guys Hollywood. over the cliff. Yeah, I'd yeah. be like, well, do you know, guys, we had a great run. You've been ever yeah. so charming. Good night. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I, yeah, I mean... I've been trying really hard not to think about the world in apocalyptic terms recently. Oh, really? It's, it's really hard. I feel like, I think particularly in this country at the moment, mm. the mood is so depressed unless yeah. you are somebody who makes your money doing something immoral and you are scum. The mood is... No, I don't really mean that. Well, uh, I mean it a bit, but... I, I, think, I think there's so much positivity from young people. That's true. But then that's maybe there always true. has been. Maybe yes, that's, that's true. Because... I and I'm that, a positive person. Because it I might be... Think... Do you know what? It might be an ageing thing. Because mm. I feel like if we think it's a lot worse than 10 years ago, it's because we've become the people that go, oh, nothing changes. Yeah. Whereas when we were 19, we were like, I think I could be prime minister and sort this out, guys. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's why I felt sorry for Josie after the last election. Yeah. Was because oh. as she, she you was know, hit the she hardest. reacted very strongly. <laughs> she, you were fine for the first few days and then we did no, that I gig together. Well, no, you yeah. were all right. You kind of, you know, you were trying to certainly publicly shock. put on a well, positive actually, front. I was in shock. Then we did Lolitics and that was when it hit you. And I said, well, the thing is, the reason it hasn't hit me as much, even though I was furious, uh, was because I've had so much practice mm. now, and so whereas you were going, and then there's going to be hope. What? <laughs> yeah. What? This is. Um, so we well, let's not go down that yes, that, that of course, route. So. In fact, well, that does bring me to something yeah. else. Then, which is, do you have a favourite uh, novel or short story of a dystopian future oh, or an apocalypse? Ooh, great what question. Was it all? The Handmaid's Tale. I think yes, was my first. I was going to say my first. I think that got me into dystopian future. 1984, mm. I think I reread about every two years, yeah. and I'm always surprised again about how great it is. Yes. And I, how I scary in different ways. The way his prose is, it's like, 
it's so much like a friend in the world. Oh, that's really? not what the London Reviewer book uh, says. Hey, the London Reviewer books always writes an article where it goes, of course, George Orwell couldn't really write novels. And uh, I agree. Uh, I think 1984 I mean, I think is a humdinger. Um, and hey, there's a tour you can do, a walking tour around Bloomsbury, where they take you to lots of where he worked. Um, so just opposite the old Faber office, there's a, a ministerial building he used to build it. And so you look at it and go, oh, it, oh, it's this. And then it's like you're in the book. And, and it takes you to his favourite pub and that's where you finish and you have wow. a drink in Soho. Really we should all do, do that you together. Do that. Yeah. So your favourite dystopians you, will be 1984 and Handmaid's Tale. The reason I remember that is because they I did those for my A level. We had to compare those oh. as in like a feminine and a masculine dystopian future, and it really got me into because I think the allegory of future and apocalypse is so fantastic, isn't it? For examining humanity. Yes. And, um, and for writing satire. Yeah. I'm trying to think. So obviously, what we've got Aldous Huxley. Yeah. Trying to think what else. The lovely so record of his, by the way, you can get for about yeah. 50p oh, yeah. from uh, Trunk Records. I always yeah. recommend Trunk Records. Yeah. And oh. it's just an interview with Aldous Huxley, just oh. basically just talking about stuff, probably the early 60s, not long before he died. Mm. And yeah, he's, his, his stuff is. Yeah. He's interesting because if you've. Have you read Brave New World Revisited? No. no. Which is where he. It's, it's a non fiction yes. book where he goes, well, now 30 years down the line, mm. here's some things that have happened. And he kind of looks at what his presumptions, those which appear to have been accurate, those oh, which he realises he was way off. And there's, yeah, it's an interesting... Oh, that's really interesting. Hey, it's so another one, Margaret Atwood, Orcs and Crake. Oh, I haven't read okay, it. OK, see, because I think she... Because I think that, that almost for her is like The Handmaid's Tale from... But it's, it's not in terms of anything, in terms of characters, but in terms of a writer having aged and then thinking maybe it would now be like this. Or and what's this the is... difference like, sort of? Um, it's much more about science, actually. Right. And kind of genetic manipulation. I think I think that's really interesting. I was just saying yesterday they think that the next kind of sapiens will be cyber sapiens, because our brains are adapting so much to working with technology that will come a point where we are considered to be inseparable. I mean, Whoa. at least us civilized. Isn't that amazing? Whoa. There's a man. There's a radio. No, an invisibilia about him who invented a computer that is on his brain all of the time, apart from when he goes to sleep. Whoa. And he sat his exams with it, and it helps him remember. Well, that's what the thing is. He argued, and this is the point: is he argued that it wasn't that it's it was the computer. Extent, it was fine. He, he made it. It's an extension <laughs> of his brain. He's oh. he's come up with a way of remembering things. Externally. That's one of the great debates oh, about in terms of well, last but actually, night, the way him talking about it was really exciting. Of course, you think it's going to make you feel sick, but actually, it's just it's a thing to improve your life, which is what all technologies. But then well, it becomes then it becomes the, the financial problem, doesn't yes. it? Which is in the same way as where we might say public school education or yeah. whatever. If you are able to, because David Eagleman yesterday who wrote some and incognito mm. and his new on the brain um i was talking about i did a gig last week in toronto which had this fantastic there were two things that were brilliant one of them was well there was more than that uh one it was with an astronaut yeah. that, that i didn't even put that on the list brilliant yeah. um but quadriplegic uh guy um who uh i think it's able bionics yes. is, is his organization and he walks on stage in an exoskeleton oh, wow. and then really? some of his friends as well yeah, who are paraplegic came up and i was kind of fascinated as i watched it and i thought having been at the Royal Hospital for Neurodisability and seen the ways of people beginning to be able to monitor yeah. what goes on in our brain, so if someone with a locked-in state, yes. you know, you can get them to try and think about something else and you can go, ah, oh, yes, you can say yes and no because yeah. different bits of the brain lighting up and reacting. Yeah. And then David Eagerman, there is actually now a woman who has got a false arm which is 
controlled by the brain. By the brain. Yeah. Wow. And so there were. So she thinks so it's and she can move it. Incredibly yeah. reachable yeah. within probably not my lifetime. I'm 46, but you people have lived better than me. You're a vegan. They might be able Sarah, to extend you your life, Robin, by the, then. Uh, <laughs> You'll be in a little cage and they'll move you about. Yeah. Now I'll be brain of Morbius. <laughs> or, or that Roald Dahl story. What's it called? William and uh, Mary. The oh. one where um, he's a really bossy bloke all the time. He's always, boy, you can't smoke around the house. Why is it not clean? Why haven't you done this? And then, of course, he, he but he's worked out a system of being kept as a brain. He's just a brain with an eye. Oh. And she's walking around the house going... <laughs> <laughs> blowing oh, of course, the smoke I do in his remember face. that. Yeah, Elaine Stritch was in the yes. TV adaptation. Oh, I love Elaine but, Stritch. Um, but he's saying that this yeah. is now the idea. He said that it's now not a scientific problem; it is an engineering problem. Yes. The answer mm, yeah. is there. The engineering, and that to me, oh. again, the mixture of sometimes we think yeah. we're in a dystopian future. Yeah. Sometimes they are both still utopian. there. It's That's the same. It. Yeah. Actually, yeah, and actually, um, David Mitchell, the Bone Clocks. Oh, Have you read that? No, I've oh. read all the other ones. Oh, now. Okay, so it's a that one's a proper like page turner. Like it looks really big and good, and then you know you forget how great David Mitchell I found is. That with like, other ones. Oh my god, it's just like a naughty story that I love reading. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but the Bone Clocks is about this topic. But I think it's 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 whether you approach it with hope or fear is it, it that works out how you can what you can get and what you can get out of it. But you're right that there's still going to be elements of both. There. Well, and I at think, any yes. time you can look but, around but and be because like, all, We're living but in But because hell. all human beings have that in them. Of so if there's going to be a microcosm of that, there's also going to be all technology is going to be possible. Like the internet. Yeah. <laughs> Everything is possible and some of it is awful. Yeah. And then some of it's so incredible. Yeah. And a, a lot of it can also, at least with the internet, you go, there is a point where you, we have to just choose better. Yeah. We can either be yeah. riled and get embroiled yeah. with, you know, bullies or whatever, or, just, or you can go. That does not because previously we didn't have to listen to all the you know the telepathy cope, that it gives but also, you. Uh, you can cope better. But all technology, like my friend was saying, we're talking about the internet. Like every technology is invented and then catches up with itself. People used to hurt themselves on the spinning jenny. <laughs> go, why aren't there better instructions for this? And, and it's really similar to the internet. Like actually, what we've learned a lot about is how people don't empathise very well with each other if they can't see each other's facial expressions and the tone of their voice. We've learned that now about people yeah. that empathy doesn't exist written down, and, and also, we get really angry. Yeah, <laughs> that it's angrier than we would in real life if someone disagrees with us. Yes, I find it interesting. I've met a few people who write really angry. Great, yeah. you know, very yes, good, yeah. real blogs that take people on. Yeah. And then when I've actually done uh, shows them or interviewed yeah. them uh, and they're being watched by the public, they can't do it. Yeah. And I go, oh, so the, this pugilism yes. is... But anyway, so yeah. we haven't asked you yes, your, your favourite dystopian. Yeah, what's your dystopian? Well, the same, definitely The Handmaid's Tale in, in mm. 1984. I remember reading 1984 and it, it's so funny when you when I read it for the first time, I was like 18 and I was so full of myself and when I read it, I was just like, yeah... That's it, man. That's it, you know. So much yeah. about my life, yeah. you know. Um, but I, I, I mentioned in the last one briefly that, like, the one of the first books that I really read with any sense of, like, I've chosen to read this mm. book, this is my book, and I love it, was Fahrenheit 451. And I really, I loved that book because I loved the fact that there was this kind of very rebellious, earthy character. Although I think it's actually quite like a proto-manic pixie dream girl character, oh. Clarice. It, basically, this yeah. guy, he befriends this girl and she's from this family who was sort of non-conformists yeah. and instead of watching the big TV screens yeah. they just read and, oh. and it's very funny because like there's loads of tropes in tropes there's loads of like bits yeah. in that book where everyone's got these massive TV screens that take up a whole wall in their house yeah. everyone constantly puts these little shells in their ears oh, that play yes. the music and yeah. tell them stuff and this is in the 60s and oh, wow. now it's they, like, the fact that they could see that happening but again I think yeah, that, and touch screens and but, people participating a, the thing is that we evolved to this point because our brain is desperate for stimulation yeah. desperate for information uh, that's how we're still existing as a species wow. 
So, of course, we've now got so great at making stuff to do it that, that it will never stop. That yes. it doesn't, it's not because we're bad people, it's not because we're bored. Our brain is built to be like, exciting, big lights, more of it. Yeah. It's not us turning off thought. It's us, it is, we're, again, we're like giving ourselves dopamine hits it's like all how the time. You shouldn't beat yourself up for crying at X Factor because those are like the world clinicians at Bottom Oh, yeah, absolutely. Pushing. And or if you don't cry at X Factor, influenced by advertising, by influenced yeah. by advertising, like they're the best psychologists in the world. Yes. Like they know how you work better than you do. Yes, that is all they want to do. Yeah. yeah. But um, so it was, yeah, it was very hopeful for everyone. And what about because Kurt Vonnegut? So oh, a lot of his are really yes. kind of futuristic. Yes. Galapagos. Yes. I was about to say Galapagos. So that almost so doesn't great. quite get that. That that's the cusp of the dystopia and then yes. the future. That yeah. so Galapagos is a great book. But he's really. a very interesting great. person, I think, because yeah. so much of his writing is so joyful, imaginative, hopeful. But then so much of his writing will start with like, I am an old man who's led a bad life and everything's fucked. And like you read Man Without a Country, and he's yeah. really wrestling with this idea of yeah. I have no more hope. But young people, you still will. Do you follow his tweets yeah. on Twitter? And I, I, I think it's that kind of thing. And actually, I compare it to like Tony Hancock, these people who make you feel so joyful in their like nihilism. Like I always feel like Kurt Vonnegut. It's like it's almost like he's farting at the same time. Well, that's the thing. The number of fart jokes. Yeah. The fact that you can, we mentioned asterisks before, yeah. and there is a point that after you've read a Kurt Vonnegut, yeah. then for the next month, every time you're reading a book with an asterisk, you go <laughs> sphincter. <laughs> Sphincter, thanks for that, Vonnegut. Everything has now become Freudian and not in a good way. But I think he's not a nihilist because he's no. like no, his he heart, he's a humanist. Yeah. Like he's really all about yeah. loving community, loving yeah. family, loving people and Yeah, I just think he I think he saw through people a bit. Yeah. Like I love the whole like the meat robots thing. It's like, ah, what are you gonna do? You're programmed. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's one of the only people that I've ever written a, a, a letter to a newspaper because of. Did you? Wow. There was a few years ago, it would have been shortly before he died, I think it was I can't remember which Australian newspaper it was. It might have even been the Australian. There was an interview with Kurt Vonnegut that angered me so much. I was jet lagged. It was three in the morning. I was lying awake, staying with my friends, and I read this interview, and it just attacked him all the way through. Oh, it was like, going, oh, he comes out and he's all dishevelled, and you go, he's eighty-two. Yeah. He's eighty-two, and he's still creating, and he's Kurt Vonnegut. And do you know what? You're allowed to be dishevelled. And it turned out, I think, all the way through was because they talked about terrorism, mm. and he said, you know, I think I can have some understanding. I can't remember which particular mm. act it was mm. that happened of why. Now he didn't say. This, this journalist no. immediately goes, oh, what? So you're saying they should have done it? Yeah. No, 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 no. Yeah. There's a total difference between yeah. understanding why someone might murder, yeah. might do whatever, yeah. and, you know, human empathy is part yes. of what that's about. Yeah. And this guy, I was so angry this too, that I, that night I just wrote this really long, mm. furious, saying, how dare you attack a man for uh, not being his opinion, but for everything about him, for being shambling, mm. for maybe the way that he smoked his cigarette, for all of these things. Mm. If you're going to attack... But that, that goes back to another book we'll probably talk about another yeah. time. One of my favourite books, which involves, by the way, Dystopian Future, Drowned World, J.G. Ballard. I was going to say J.G. Ballard. I haven't read any J.G. Ballard. Oh. I was going to ask if either of yes. you had read uh, Children of Men. Oh, I've seen the, I was going to mention that. I've seen the, the film. film. So I great. love yes. that film. I haven't read it, no. Uh, the film was sort of just, I saw it about three You're not allowed to then. read her book. So she was a conservative uh, baroness, wasn't she? You don't know the enemy, Josie. Exactly. Yeah. But I, um, <laughs> you read what you like. No, you know what she's like, though. Why didn't anyone tell me P.G. James said that? Yeah. Well, I d luckily for us, I was watching Alf Alfonso Cuarón. Is that the director? And he yeah. is a he's a big time. He likes Naomi Klein and all that, so he's oh, got to right. be on my team, isn't he? But um, I I was really thinking about that. 
thing and how real it seems now, that mm. film, and how much is going on with it. And I was wondering, because apparently it's a really different adaptation to the book. Yeah. Um, in the book, it's just half the storylines don't exist, and the storyline uh, about... The, the, the baby, book. yeah. Yeah, but I haven't read it. No, I haven't read it either. I watched, uh, after I watched Let the Right One In, I read the original novel of Ooh. that, because I had heard a really intriguing difference. But the difference is... If we can't say, oh. even now, I don't think we can say. Why don't we, we say, spoiler alert, if no, you right. don't want to hear this, we're it... about to reveal something. I, um, right, OK, just... so we've got one minute. I'm going to time it oh. one minute. You can now talk about... Right, so uh, Three, one minute. So two. spoiler alert, one minute. Turn it down now if you're going to read Let the Right One In. Go! Go. So in the film Let Right One In, yeah. there's, uh, they don't disclose the reason why the vampire girl is living with the dad. But in the book, that, that guy is a paedophile oh. who uh, is like sexually in love. With, and also, so yeah, so she was a boy, but she cut her penis off, and there's a scar that you see through the door in the film. No, wasn't the it book, cut off though? Yes, but in the book, you hear about why she cut, he cut it off. It's a boy, not a girl. Oh, you see, I thought yeah. it was cut off by someone who wanted to use uh, the boy as a sex uh, thing, there's, and it was a punishment. That's more investigated, but I don't. I they definitely just say I thought. Maybe you're right, maybe I've forgotten. But definitely it tells you why. Let's not talk We've about it anymore. Well, anyway, yeah, so... Anyway, so, anyway, so anyone who's turned off is an idiot. Yeah. Yeah. I, I bet you no one turned off. Yeah, like, yeah. I can take a spoiler. <laughs> and now they're like, right, ruined. Yeah. Half thing's ruined. Yeah. My boyfriend hates spoilers to the extent that you can't even say whether you enjoyed a thing. To the extent that you can't even really say, oh, you'd love that character. Because he's like, oh, great, now no, I know no, that there's character. there's a character I'd like. Yeah. <laughs> but I, do, I, I actually think it saves me time. I, I always yeah, get too, Sight I like and Sound film, monthly film bulletin. I've still got all of them from, from 1970 yeah. onwards. Not because I'm reading it in 1970. Yeah. I'm only 46. <laughs> oh, no, the agent said, say, 32. <laughs> anyway, but uh, but I, I never have a problem, really, with knowing what... Because the journey of the film... Mm. I'm sure, I'm sure yeah, it would change... Uh, knowing but, what's going to happen just shouldn't change a great story. Yes. Like, people still like the Bible. <laughs> we know it's nice to have a twist. I do. Like, I, I, if I know there's a twist, I sit there the whole time going, that's not real, uh, they're not there, this is all a dream. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't and I then don't if you care. have guessed the twist even if yeah. you've made 20 guesses you'll be like I knew it and if something's scary oh. I'd much rather know what was going to happen and then go it's fine Yeah. oh they chopped it up for firewood <laughs> but, oh she's uh, only got three fingers I that's, do. Like, that's the end of Breaking Bad that's the end of Breaking Bad chop them up for firewood she's <laughs> only got three fingers you never expect because of all the wood chopping <laughs> but I was going to say that I do really still like to be surprised by comedy I wouldn't I don't oh, yeah. I prefer not to have spoilers with Comedy or with jokes, yeah. Is, but I suppose that is the function of a joke is you need to be a bit. Yeah, well, that's the yeah, the, the, that's a bit the brain enjoys, like yeah. twisting it back around him and like, oh, it's his mother-in-law. It was a puzzle. His mother-in-law is like that. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> yeah, I, I was told off. I remember going to a screening of uh, the Wicker Man. Uh, I think it was the, the Fright Fest at Dead, Dead, Dead Till Dawn in in Edinburgh, and I was chatting to this bloke sat next to me, and he went, oh yeah, and I saw I saw the Sixth Sense, but it's really ruined because the guy who introduced the film said. And this has an incredible twist. Oh, and so, that is. No, annoying. but it had been highly publicised yeah. that there was. It was in all the reviews. It was everything. Mm. This has a twist. And, and I went, oh, I'm really sorry. That was me. Because <gasps> I didn't choose the film the year oh, before no. at a 48 hour oh, film no. festival. At least you admitted it. Yeah. And he locked you in a cabin. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, hey, J.G. Ballard, so great. And, and a lot of them actually, again, feel like they were written now by yeah. Charlie Brooker. Yeah. <laughs> it has that tone of like, oh, no, there's people that are just all in these flats and the car. Yes. Yeah. I, I really. I'm, I feel I ought to like just read stuff like that now. Mm. But well, my book that like... I bought on the way here, because I can't walk past a bookshop without buying anything, and I think I know, it probably I was will be, we should do consumed all in... David Cronenberg, Ooh. and I'm very excited by... You should by, do one uh... of these in the big foils, like walking Ooh. around looking at the stuff, because like, you forget yes. so much of what you've read, yes. and then you walk around with a friend. And of what you're interested in. Yeah. 
Oh, but I, I keep my no, problem is I just can't read as much as I want to because I'm like, well, every winter I'm just going to read loads of Dickens. I read ten Dickenses. <gasps> Me and John but, are reading all of Wilkie Collins. Oh, like we're, we're having we, Wilkie. Wilk, no, okay, already done Moonstone. Of done that. Already done Woman in White. Done it. But now I'm reading Armadale. He's just read No Name, and now he's reading Man and Wife. We've got every what single one. What would you most recommend? Uh, all of them. No, um, all of them. Do you know I've Wilkie this... Collins Winter? We'll call it. That's nice. You yeah. should make a festival. <laughs> yes, I should. But because, I just read this book called yeah. The Suspicions of Mr. Witcher. Yeah, I read that. And John read that, and that's what made him Started. interested. Yes, because that's what he interested in Collins. Yeah. And she talks a lot about Wiki Collins, and it really intrigued me and made me want to read more detective fiction. That, that's really great, isn't it? Yeah. This is and it, it, it makes you sort of... It, I didn't understand that the whole notion of what I consider to be a detective was so recent. It's like when I found yeah. out that Landscape Garden... Well, like Edgar Allan was Poe so was the, you know, yes. the, the murders in the Rue Morgue, I think is officially the first detective. Mm, but that's not know. in Britain, that's in the States. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then in Britain, you sort of slowly but surely you've got Dickens and you've got Wilkin Collins, like, yeah. inventing this idea that you yeah. might have a detective and, yeah. you know, um, obviously Sherlock Holmes and stuff like that. But then but, it's amazing to even imagine there was a time when the police didn't exist. Yeah. Like the police being invented... And then, like the Bow Street Runners, and then like the Prime Minister John Peel being like, "Shall we sort out something?" Yeah, we could get those. <laughs> we had friends. we had the RSPCA. Was it John Peel or Robert Peel? Robert Peel, of course it was. Sorry. I would like John it to have been John Peel. No, it's Bobby's. Of course it was because yeah, it was Robert Peel. Um, and um, yeah, we had the RSPCA before we had. But that makes sense. I think we had the RSPCA before there were animals, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. animals were actually only brought to life uh, shortly after Frankenstein was written. To give women something to stroke before <laughs> books were made furry. Um, so this is right. We should move on to. Uh, I've, I've brought a whole pile of books here, which we haven't gone, gone through at all. And we need to talk about your book. This is the first one that I really want to recommend. I was going to recommend it on the Stuart Lee one. I kept looking at. I didn't know if this was any good or not. Thrilling adventure. But it's made up, right? Adventures. Well, the first. Bit of it. Say this, what it is this first is of by um, Sydney Padua. I hope I've pronounced her name correctly. The thrilling adventure of Lovelace and Babbage. Uh, she's friends with uh, the woman who basically started Ada Lovelace Day, which of course yes. been a celebration <gasps> yeah. of uh, women achievements in science. And oh, she novel. started yes. mucking around with creating a, a comic strip around Ada Lovelace and Charles yes. Babbage's relationship. Yeah. And Ada Lovelace, who was the daughter of uh, Byron. Lord Byron, and the fact that when she was brought up, it she was, was like she must not, not be yes. allowed near any poetry. I, just, I couldn't believe. Of that, it, literally, she she got into maths because she wasn't allowed to be creative. Uh-huh. Like she can't be like her daddy. <laughs> and and it is so. Awesome. It starts off with and there's loads of footnotes. People are fans mm. of footnotes. Yeah. It is very dense with information. And then basically, after she's told the real story, she goes, but. It's a multiverse. Yes. And so you have lots of different adventures. And I think mm. the last time mm. I remember reading, and I think it, it might be better than this, the, oh. the Logic Comics oh, book, I love which Logic is Comics. Bertrand yeah. Russell's yeah. story yeah. and the story of Logic, that is a brilliant uh, really comic factual, book. Really factual, really learning, but while you have but, it's but a perfect example say, of having such a great time while getting yes. cleverer. I, I wanted to yeah. say this. Uh, I've just noticed there's some Isenberg Kingdom Brunel in here, and, and there is a really great biography of Isenberg Kingdom Brunel, which is a little bit hard to find because they it was part of some celebration of Bristol, mm. and it was made by Simon. Gurr. I can't remember the other person's name, which is so frustrating because I think I follow them both on Twitter. Mm. But if you look for it, it's um, yeah. There's a great biography they did of. Eisenberg Kingdom Brunel and they did another one that was really great and again frustratingly I can't remember but it's yeah. exactly the same thing oh a Darwin they did a Darwin and a Brunel oh I've got that what, what yeah. the comic book version yeah yeah, yeah I've got the Darwin they? one oh, yeah yeah okay. really funny really informative yes. and just and also, also you read it when, just... when people do it like this mm-hmm. What's so great is that then someone asks you about the person and you feel like you can tell them in a yeah. qualified way, where sometimes you're given so much information like Bertrand Russell's a great example of someone that my dad really likes 
but I couldn't really hold a conversation about what he believed. <laughs> Apart from like, I definitely know he didn't like nuclear weapons. I did a lot. Yeah. I did a documentary about him a while ago, and there was a lovely thing where I was looking through a collection of his letters, mm. and there was a letter from I think about a six-year-old boy who I think it was had kind of been slightly introduced to. I can't remember. It was either logic or the peace movement. Mm. One of his favourite things. Yeah. One of Bertrand's favourite uh-huh. things. And I said, "Shall we check and see if he's still around?" And this boy, you know, he's now yeah. in his fifties, and chatting to this guy who'd written to Bertrand Russell, and how in you know his relationship with this this work of both, you know, philosopher, literature, yes. literature and science had to some extent changed his life. But he is, I, I've got a yeah. shelf, you know, you know, your good intention yes, shelf. Um, One of my shelves is all Bertrand Russell, right? It's still not all his books. I think he wrote 96. I think, but yeah. I go, do you know what? I'm not sure I'm going to get through no, some you, of these denser think, books. I think it's logic. good to have that because if ever you are, and obviously I hope that you don't, but if any of us ever get run over and we're in hospital for a long time, that's when we go, well, do you know what? This is really awful about my legs, but I've got six months now to read these guys. and that, I've got books that I'm saving for I say, See, I if think I you're going to say, hip. if we're ever run over and killed, when people are taking oh, apart our possessions, they'll, they'll, they'll go, really I imagine he read all these Bertrand <laughs> yeah, the Russell. Yeah, the local charity shop will have a real peak <laughs> in sales. <laughs> I always buy second-hand ones that people have already pencil-marked so yes. people can presume they're mine. Well, well sometimes I read, the, I'm reading a, I read a book about menstruation. There's very few books on menstruation, actually, which is really odd. When you think about how often it... Chella Quint does uh, if, uh, ad- adventures in menstruating. If is that those online, is it? That. Oh, yeah. No, no not online. Uh, but um, the woman who had underlined stuff had only underlined really kind of metaphysical things. So she was ignoring all the science and they were like, moon. <laughs> like, <laughs> like she so, so there's the wise wound. She was probably the most wound, famous. That's what I read, yeah. Yeah, that's probably the most famous The person one. who underlined my version of that is an idiot. <laughs> no, but she was <laughs> a real but idiot. Just... And the book is an idiot. In its own right. She was taking what she could get. She wanted yeah. a beautiful book about poetry, only about periods. Uh, she couldn't find that. So no. she's like, well, I have to read this bloody no, science No, it's, no, it's because the the, the, myth, the mythological stuff about periods is much more exciting. Wouldn't it be mm. great if we all synced up and the moon was involved? How did we not sync up? No, no, no. It's all... Spoiler no, alert! No, 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 no. No, no, it's one of those things where it's all anecdotal evidence and whenever they've tried to study it, we don't. And then we'll go, but we, our periods overlapped. That's not synchronising ovulation. <laughs> Having and, a also, bit, and again, the pheromones thing, they're going, how chance. would you and why would you? Like, and so some women are like, oh yeah, wouldn't it be great if all women ovulated at the same time in a tribe? Why? It'd be ever so much work for the <laughs> men. If we have concealed <laughs> ovulation, what would be the point of us doing it all at once? <laughs> well, in fact, that would almost negate the yes, point, of wouldn't course, it? Of the way yeah, that... exactly. Because babies would all be born at the same time. There'd be too much pressure. It couldn't... Oh, wow. I read I a book take, once, so I didn't read it. Yeah. It was uh, I, I bought it and then eventually went, I'm never getting around to yeah. reading it. But what I liked was, it was called The Whole of the World and oh. it was, the initial point was that, who's the painter who did the, uh, it's an image of a woman lying back. You can oh. see her genitals and it's kind of, it's 19th century, quite a famous oh. image. Uh, and it's printed all the I don't know who the painter is, but it's always and I think it in the beginning be of like, the feminist that... books of like looking at the genitals. Trent, can you look up The Whole of the World? Uh, and, I think uh, all of the books about the vagina mention yeah, yeah. that because it's all kind of the, oh the, the, the beginning of yeah I know exactly the picture you but mean it only has what, oh, it's just a, a Corbett Corbett oh, is that the okay. one I think look up Corbett C-O-U-R-B-E-T yeah, if you can yeah. Um, yeah. but it all the way through, there's one underlining and that's it so it's <gasps> like this person seeing this one thing it's something about the clitoris and oh. they've just gone that found it that's all <laughs> yeah. every, every book I found the Bring the rest in. (laughs) So I I also constantly think if I break my hip, 
That's what I'm going to read. Yeah. I was desperate yeah. to say to share that and be like, mm. I, 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 I had the same thought. Yeah. The, and, and but I that's the thing. If like um, I'm, and I know you both guys were the same. I, so one thing I feel guilty about sometimes is I'm gluttonous because I, I want to own all the books. I want to have them all there ready. And I look at my to read pile and I go, if this was food, you'd be disgusting. Yes. If this was money, you should kill yourself. Mm. But I'm going, but it's books. No, but see, I see yeah. it that nearly all my books are bought in charity shops. Yeah. So I go right one. Yeah. This has gone towards. Well, not even that. I just go. It's all right. It's all right because this has gone. Because my house has got way too much. I mean, you know, it's it's infuriating for for people. There's there's a certain amount of order in one room. There's no order anywhere else, and it does look like you know that scene where the old lady in in the film of Fahrenheit four four one, where her house is being burnt and it's just filled with books. That's what mine is. Um, So. Anyway, yeah. I highly recommend if you've not read Sydney Padgett's uh, The Thrilling Adventures of Lovelace and Babbage, I, is one I of had the looked best at it and couldn't books. work out whether, because it was going to be fictionalised, whether it's going to be great. And now. No, I'm it's go, a great I really like, have, you read, have you read Lyca? Yes. Yes, that was really great. And um, yes. and I, actually, the first graphic novel I ever read was From Hell. Because oh, wow. I had always been like, oh, no, I don't do comics, I read proper books. Huh. And then someone was like, there's loads of footnotes. And I loved Jack, huh. the, Ripper. I loved Jack the Ripper. Obviously, I don't love him, but that period in history is so fascinating oh in God. terms of everything. Women starting to work, the beginning of like Salvation Army and Bernardo's mm. and a socialised kind of... Ch- I mean, it's amazing. So who's that by? Sorry, I don't oh, know that From one. Hell, you'll know. Oh, no, no. Yeah. Oh, oh, I was like her, sorry. Yeah, like her. I don't know sorry, I, that was I, I got back on the headphones because uh, Trent was the, saying, what do you want to know about Colbert? And I thought, what I need the, to know about Colbert picture. was uh, who was the guy who painted the picture. So it's yes. kind of... Yeah. I got it in the end. <laughs> yeah. Through... So, like her... Yes. The... The little Russian dog. Barco, it means. I always think of... Um, it's a very Howard. miserable story. Spoiler oh, alert, yes. don't say how that ends. Yeah. I always think of Howard Reed singing... My name is Laika. I was the first dog in space. <laughs> um, I think what's so sad is that it's a sign that sometimes by being an outlier, you get punished. Yeah. Because she was the only dog who didn't be sick when they spun her around. And you could just imagine her being like, great, <laughs> like, poor like, in the air. I'm <laughs> better than that. But, what? Do you know what? Sometimes it yeah. turns out not having an internal monologue really is for the yeah. benefit of the majority yeah. of creatures. Just, I think the moral is, kids, just, just try and fit in, just conform as much as possible. Don't if everyone's be a pioneer. Been, if everyone's been sick, just throw up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you know what happened to the pioneers? Cholera. <laughs> <laughs> The uh, you uh, mentioning cholera for some reason made me think of blankets with smallpox. And can I just say, if anyone didn't see Rich Hall's documentary uh, about how uh, the Native Americans etc. were have, have been uh, used in the media, it is brilliant. Oh. What book have you got there? Well, I have got a book. Just while we're talking about that, do you have you? I don't know if you know this, but they've just. Um... Basically, these two historians, well, a historian and a microbiologist, they made a really, really, really old, um, from like a thousand-year-old uh, bald leeches. Uh, so leeches means like to care. So that's why we get, we call leeches leeches because they're used by doctors. Anyway, they did a really, really old um, potion, which was called the best medicine. They thought, we've got to make this, and it cures MRSA. And because of how quickly bacteria changes, they think that it stopped being used. It was used for styes. They think it stopped getting used because it didn't work anymore because bacteria changes, and that's why they've stopped trying to invent new... Because it's, it's 11 months max, and then bacteria becomes... So we've got a year that we can cure them. Yeah, but, no, but it means that they shouldn't stop doing it because it's just basically like garlic, wine, onions, copper pots. Yeah. <gasps> Yeah, it's so amazing, but it needs to now be scientifically tested. But it's oh, a really no, good Oh, no, you're turning into a chef now, and the that old, means it's the end of the world. <laughs> the you've offered us a utopian future with that MRSA, but you've also made us gluttonous for garlic, red wine, yeah. copper-based drinks. Um, and we've got this one here called The Cure for This. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't bother, don't bother. But it might be that all of the old ones 
And also the other theory they said is actually there's things that look like witchcraft, or they look stupid, they'll say like say four Ave Marias. As you go, oh, scientists go, this is rubbish. But actually it's a time device because they didn't have watches. They know that's 20 minutes. If it takes you four minutes, Ave Maria, everyone knows it's the same amount of time. Really interesting. Anyway, the book I, I would bought, like to oh. see now, because uh, the, they're doing a lot of spin-offs of Great British Bake Off, but the Great British <laughs> Apothecary Off. Oh, yes. Where we have... Oh, uh, yeah. yeah, I would do that. I've yeah. overcooked the nettles. And now... Mary seems to have a rash that's got worse. I'm <laughs> sorry. Has anyone seen my newt? <laughs> <laughs> the last challenge, very simple. Just spin this straw into gold. You have 20 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> and then the prize is, you've got that gold. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the book I brought, I'm reading this because of research from my book, but it's um, called. It's by Eric Berkowitz, and it's called Sex and Punishment, 4,000 Years of Judging Desire. Now... It's pretty racy, some of it, but what I wasn't expecting to be so interesting and I hadn't even thought about before is the beginning of the laws that were then absorbed by Hebrew and became um, in the Torah, Judaistic laws and biblical laws because mm. they start off so ridiculous, but actually they're ridiculous anyway. So things like men owning women and the ownership of slaves and um, uh, punishments that controlled female fertility. So in terms of like women who were raped being... Uh, it's really interesting, but like Babylonians and... Um, Assyrians, if you were raped outdoors, I shouldn't say raped, if you were sexually assaulted outdoors, then um, the man uh, would be in trouble. If it was in your house, it's your fault. And the thing about only if you fought them off. So you had to you had to prove that you had fought them off and it had to be outdoors. Otherwise, you were killed. God. Yeah. But it's, yeah, but seeing, so seeing that and then... Uh, so this is 4,000 years, basically. Well, so, so 4,000 years. What I'm reading now, which is so interesting, is um, ancient Egyptian uh, women where everyone had to become a prostitute for a bit. So all women, you had to go to the temple, a man had to throw a coin in your lap and um, then take you outside and then you had to leave. So the attractive women usually only had to prostitute themselves once they were out of there in a day. And attractive women sat there for years. It's like a really unpleasant, grotesque version so, of national service. <laughs> yeah. Just really awful because they considered because they had um, oh yeah so Isis was a whore and I didn't realise that Isis and Osiris thing that they were brother and sister. Anyway, I'm just finding all the gross historical things and then going we're not as far on as I thought we were really. In a lot of ways, you can see the beginnings of stuff that still like vibrates through our culture. Well, I was going to recommend that we mentioned this when you yes, brought, brought yeah. the book in, which is, I think it's actually Richard Davenport Hines. It might be Rupert Davenport mm. Hines. There's a few Davenport yeah. Hines. But he wrote a book called Sex, Death and Punishment, which really oh, looks like it's not, a, it doesn't have quite such a long, it's, it's not covering as many uh, years, mm. but it has this wonderful collection of images of how people were warned about sexual disease. Oh, yeah. And the one that I loved is there is, it's fantastic. There's a woman with a kind of purple veil and a lovely little hat, but she's not a woman, she's just a skeleton. And she's just going, all right, darling, <laughs> would you like some? And then it goes, yeah. venereal disease. <laughs> so, yeah, ne- yeah, yeah. Oh, I went out with one of those skeleton prostitutes yeah. again. Yeah. My new itchy. rule, my new rule, I don't sleep with anyone without a face. Yeah. <laughs> Just make sure. Sorry, I'm sorry, that's what I have to do now. Yeah. Skeletons can't be trusted. So you've also got you took yeah. a picture of all the books that you've. I, did, uh, I that took, you were book, took a picture of books in my house because then because I find so often I like especially if you read quickly and so my boyfriend says you don't take any of it in because I don't remember character names or who wrote it all oh, I know is like sorry. I loved it more than life itself yeah. <laughs> but um, nothing more specific than that sometimes so the, my big recommendation to everyone would be the Eleanor Ferrante novels which I, think, I know are very, oh, very trendy. I've read about them. You've read about them. Well, now you have to read them. Yeah. Um, so the Neapolitan novels, there's four of them, and now you're in a lucky position because they've all come out. Whereas there was a point two years ago where it was like Harry Potter, apart from 
you're the only person waiting outside the bookshop. <laughs> so who, what, give, it, give me some so, background so, into okay, these so books. So Eleanor Ferrante is uh, anonymous. That's not her name. She's hidden. She's uh, from Naples, I believe. There's one really long interview with her on the Paris in the Paris Review where she talks about why she was anonymous. And, she, and it's, it's essentially death of the author. And she's now. She doesn't want... She's yeah, she's now. alive. She's alive. And she doesn't want anything to interfere... She likes people because people go, these are all autobiographical. That's how great her writing is. She goes, this, is, this has got to have happened to her. And she's like, it's really great that writers, that readers do that. They assume it's, it's that truthful because there's nothing of me interfering with it. And also, she is able to talk about things that I think might be true or personal, but without anyone knowing who she's talking about. Yes. Now, that is because an interesting women point. especially, it's always, isn't it? And even with... With with men, women especially, it's always like, oh, well, now we know all your skeletons, don't we? And it's not like well, it's that. It's interesting because the very first book is a bit about that. The first book is about this girl who, uh, spoiler, no, I'm not going to, no, I'm not going to say anything because, uh, you know, and I had it, the other the book I had it with, was like with Wolf Hall, when a book's come very highly recommended. And the first two pages, you go, oh, I see. It's just a book, like other <gasps> And then it's engulfing. And um, I would say emotionally engulfing to the point that it became for me like a crime thriller. But wow. in a, on an emotional level about what wow. was going to happen. And the fourth book, I just, I finished the third one and the fourth one wasn't coming out for maybe a month and a half and I was counting down. And then the foils in Southbank put it out two days early and I found it. I went in there like ready, like planning my route <laughs> from my house to the quickest what place I could. What was the first? Because that's, yeah. that's the, last week we were talking with Stuart yeah. Lee about the, the first book that you loved, that you yeah. adored. What was the first time you remember reading a book and then maybe not being able to find the book yeah. and actually feeling a, a, a sickening desperation yeah, that you like had to finish the book? Or the alternative, oh. that what you were just saying, which is, oh, when's it? I have to have the next one. Oh, I've had it a few times, actually, because I think, I think I didn't realise I loved reading while I was at school. And, but I always read, like, my mum would always say, like, I would read, I'd reread the cereal box at breakfast, that kind of, like, and I, I had Alice in Wonderland, I reread that a lot as a child, I had this really big copy, but I remember once being at my auntie's house, I must have been about 15, and she had Arthur Golden's Death of a Geisha, and I read maybe for an hour while we were there, and then had to leave the book, yeah, and that was the first time where I, I was like, Right, and I remember thinking, I didn't even know what the word geisha was, so I couldn't have pronounced it. I probably could have done an odd spelling of it. And I was really surprised why it was saying that a man must have helped this woman write it down. I didn't understand that he was being, <laughs> that he was intuiting this. I just believed this was this woman's story. And I, and I think it was years before I actually got a copy. I had that with perfume. I <gasps> yes. read half of it, and I, it was that thing of I was in the back of a car, yeah. and I was like so into it. It was a friend had had it, yeah. and so we were in this car journey for about an hour and a half, and I read and read and read, and I mm. loved it. Mm. And then at the end of the car journey, he was like, "Okay, well, I need it back." And I was just like, oh, "Ah, <laughs> I'm, I'm busy." Yeah, that's, that's a cracking. That's of, my dad's yeah. favorite book. He Is recommended it? me that. Yeah, and I thought, I thought the film of it was really amazing as mm. well. <laughs> my friend, um, my friend Daniel, I used to, you know Daniel, yeah. I used to live with my friend. He's very very funny, and we always used to talk about that film because we were watching it, and then spoiled alert there's a scene at the end where everyone is doing it and when he describes the film he goes and then they all had a lovely fuck yeah. <laughs> and i always think of it whenever i think of puffy and i think of they all had a lovely fuck <laughs> sorry spoiler alert's wearing a light that will be that will be such a you know if that is just the last line of a book that yeah. would be funny. <laughs> uh, yeah. That should be in the book. It's a really, <laughs> really morose 2,000 pages. You've been dragged. The Bible. It's the Bible. It's the end of the Bible. It's <laughs> Revelation. Infinite Jest ends. I'm going to be over the moon. Uh, I don't yeah. know when I'm going to get yeah. to the end of Infinite oh, Jest. Good question. But... Oh, yeah. So you are reading it? Yeah. Have yeah. you read it? I've got it. I've read the first 10 pages maybe eight times. <laughs> oh, I've read the first 43 twice. Oh. 
I was reading Ulysses and I've yeah. only read a couple of hundred pages of yeah. it and I really <gasps> yes. loved it. Hey. But it's just the book, I, the copy I've got. I think Ulysses you need a book club around. for. I think yes. I, and they'd have special Ulysses book clubs and that's what I would like to do. Um, so you know Robin that you went to university with? Yes. Not this Robin Ince, <laughs> another Robin. Yeah. He has written a blog of him rereading Ulysses and it's so helpful. It's chapter by chapter. Wow. And I think that's really helpful. And also he's read Infinite Jest as well. So Robin's really good. This is Oxford. Like you. But but I remember with Ulysses, um, in fact, at at our friend's wedding, her husband is part of a Ulysses book group. They're all very bright. And I met one of them. And I was making small talk with him. And I was half drunk at a wedding. And I was like, oh, I started reading Ulysses. I'm probably about a third through. And he was like, well, how far up are you? And I was like, oh, I can't really remember. I think he's just gone out. I'm I'm really enjoying it, though. And I was just basically saying, how cool that you're doing that. I admire you. I'm not yet there. And he was so rude to me. He was like, how far through? Well, that's not very far through at all. Well, if you're not going to bother it. And he was so intense what? about it. And like I really a gatekeeper like, for like, yes. you're either in or you're out. Yeah. Don't you? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it was that's exactly the far kind of cultural fuckery yeah. that ruins it for everyone. It's like you probably so, haven't even probably understood it. It's like it. if someone said, oh, I'm going up to the Edinburgh Festival. What are you going to see? Best of the Fest? Oh, for God's <laughs> sake. <laughs> Although, to be fair, I would be like that. Yeah. Which, I mean, that's the, yeah. No, the difference, yeah. How, if, how if you love a thing that much, you're like, you don't understand. <laughs> Or, look, you're not doing it properly yes. to get the right results. Yeah. You're cooking the parsnips, yeah. but you're boiling yeah. them in plain water for two hours. And you'll come home and go, yeah, I didn't really think Edinburgh was that great. Well, whose fault is that? <laughs> I would say, by the way, Marla Goldberg's Bee Season is a rip-roaring read, if you never... seems very Bee few season. people are reading. Turned into a film which I only watched a little bit of. You know when you see, they're the wrong people, yes. they're not what the characters uh, look like. Yeah. Oh, Richard oh, Gere oh. is not oh. what the dad looks like. Yes, yeah. But exactly. it's a rip-roaring... It's basically about four people B in... Uh, it's B double E. It starts off. B it's season. all about a girl who discovers uh, she has an innate ability to spell. So it's the spelling oh, bee, the spelling bee tournament. Wow. And uh, initially, the dad, the other three members of the family, mm. the brother and the father and the mother, are all intellectual high flyers. Mm. And suddenly, the dad becomes more obsessed with the daughter because, and they start to deal with all manner of kind of Jewish mysticism. Yeah. And it's about basically it's about spelling and four oh. people search for God. But I'll tell you what, oh, it's wow. rip roaring. Oh, that sounds great. Have you read um, We Are Completely Beside Ourselves? No, but I've got. I, I, someone told because me. That's a really great one. I mean, and again, actually, it's better to know nothing, nothing about it. Nothing. But it's one where it's a really great novel, which is also really interesting in terms of science and technology and, and human empathy. And animals. Oh, you read so much, and I wish. Right, we're nearly out of time, oh, so let's go through a couple more. Uh, also, I'll tell you, actually, the first time I ever panicked over, not, yeah. uh, I had, uh, I think, probably quite a bad uh, American translation of *The Beast in Man* by Emil Zola. Oh, um, I'd just done a, 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 a comedy. Yeah. Uh, well, I was talking about the is fact that, that is that I'm, what it's translated as? Yeah, uh, yeah, oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. I, I didn't know that. <laughs> um, and it's yeah. it's a really you know that bit where you go, oh, it's probably gonna be too clever from wherever. No, no. He's and he's a painter. Is that from the moment yeah. that you go? But I thought that yeah. bloke was going to be yeah. the murderer, yeah. Yeah. and then you get books... to chapter two, and that I couldn't find it in my case. Mm. I had a little case. Yeah. I used yes. to carry around a little case, which is what my grandfather took his cassock and other things around in, oh, yeah. and I would take my stand-up comedy notebook. Yeah. In many ways, still yeah. doing yeah. sermons, <laughs> and uh, and I just I couldn't find it, and I was it was the one chapter left, yeah. and oh, that was. Oh. I love that book because it yes. is so thrilled by modernity. Yeah, it's really excited by trains and machines yeah. and stuff like that, and it's. The Film's great, the 1930s. Also class. I feel yes. like um, all, all through Zola is what would it take any of us to do something horrific yes. and how certain people are completely imprisoned by their economic state. Yes. Not, that's the only, also, it's the only limit on humanity. But, Everything else we can do. But also not just their economic state, but by 
the the culture the expectations that's bred from of the that. yeah i read it but i was very interested because i read la bête humaine yeah. uh, uh, not in french because i never bothered learning past historic because it wasn't in the exam how brilliant of me but um i uh, i read uh, beast in man and i absolutely loved it then i read Therese raquin uh, and yes. i actually found it to be as a novel much less satisfying like oh. i felt like it dropped off after is it an earlier novel because it's, yes, it's one the roof, really early yeah ones. and it's so interesting last and was great that's yeah. the yeah. one that, that's that, one of it that's the yeah. washerwoman that's the one yeah. of most, most it's one of those it's like requiem for a dream <sighs> husband's right? an alcoholic oh no have you ever right you know requiem for a dream in the film version of that there is a point where you go it's not going to get better, is it? <laughs> and there's another oh. hour to go, yeah. right? But you like, keep wanting it to. Dancing in the can't Dark. Go, oh, we go, can't get any worse yeah. than this. Dancing in the Dark, we never talk about that. It gave me flu. I went to see oh, Nurse no. Betty first, a oh. double bill. Nurse Betty, Dance in the Dark. Perfectly well when I went to see the film. I left, I was quite ill. You were crying. No, no, no. I mean, I actually felt I probably had flu. I was, yeah. it, it, it was a film, it turned out, Lars von Trier is part of his clever, clever, dogma. yeah, dogma thing, is also he can pass on illness mm. and disease. That's one of the limitations. Yeah. Um, uh, so yeah, so we were talking Zola about Zola. is a really good recommendation for people yes. who like love reading books. Yeah, but the, really but Lassemore has that it's bit like where Dickens. once her husband falls off the roof, which is not a spoiler. That's quite early on. Yeah, it, it's fine. The first fifty pages, and then you suddenly go, I don't think it's going to get better. No, no, but it does have and peaks. You... And I tell you why. If anyone who has any kind of, um, I would say, like a habit that actually gives you joy at the time, but it's probably detrimental to your life in whatever form that is, the bit where like they'll have a dinner party and it's like, yeah, don't worry about the money, let's spend it all on. They put the table outside, the neighbours are looking in. It's the moments of hope that your, oh, yeah. your habit might give you, whether that's drugs or alcohol or, I don't know, what else do people have? An X Factor. <laughs> Those little things you do that actually, they give you this peak, yes. but actually are detrimental to your life in the yeah. whole way through. It's credit, you know. Yeah. Right, we've run out of time. Yeah. Could, would you like to recommend one more thing from your long uh, list? Uh, um, no, I'll go last. Um, I read Light Years by James Salter. Oh, no, we talked about James Salter. Let's both recommend James Salter. Yes. Oddly, I once saw you at a gig about two years ago at the Soho Theatre, and, I, and I was, it was the first time I read James Salter, and I said, and you said you hadn't read him or hadn't heard of him. I didn't hear, hear of him until I read him, and now I've read everything. And I he's given it so present, incredible. And it's so evocative and beautiful. And what I found really interesting was, so Light Years is about this very bougie couple, yeah. and I sort of couldn't bear them, but I loved them because they yeah. were such full real people and you could feel every, I, with, I with so him I look at the words going how come these are words I've seen before I know that that's bread I know that that's that there's all words that I they're not fancy words but put in the order he's putting them something odd is happening it's, poetic it's, it's the best writing I've beautiful. ever seen yeah, yeah it's lush yeah, so have you read any of the other ones yet no just okay. like oh, oh, well we will leave them. it there because he just wrote one after 30 years whoa is he still about I, I always just assume people like that are dead. I'm like, oh, well, I miss my chance. He had a huge gap. Maybe it wasn't 30 oh. years. Oh, but it's like all like, it's, I'm talking about all the ends. Right, so... George Saunders, George Saunders. Well, George Saunders was... Um, I've, I've brought in a whole pile of books and I included his non-fiction one, The Brain Dead Megaphone, which has a series of essays. It's very, very interesting. Ooh. And it uh, It's great. It's just to say, it's what you would imagine he is as an essayist. There are... Oh. They're, they're beautiful ones, fantastic. Well, I'm not going to tell you too much about that because we'll talk about it another time. We were going to talk about Howard Zinn, but we ran out of time I for that. I we were going to talk about Howard Zinn. Uh, I've got my Howard Zinn. No, 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 don't Howard be sorry. Zinn. That's fine. I'm glad to have brought yeah. these things in and, in fact, we, uh, we'll have you... I hope you'll come back, Sarah, yes, and do please. it again. Please. Yes, so, Sarah Pascoe, are you going to be touring in the near future? Yes, I'm touring in from May when my book comes out. I'm going to do a tour after. Oh, we'll have had you back on by then. So, yeah. uh, go and see Sarah Pascoe in May, but fill your time with something else apart from anticipation uh, <laughs> to go and see that. Uh, 
Thank you very Reading. much, Josie Long. Thank you very much to uh, Trent as well. Yeah. Uh, that is the end of this particular episode of Josie and Robin's uh, Book Shambles. You can support us. We are trying to basically to make sure that we can do this in a studio and things like that. We do. Uh, if you do have any money, if you have any kind of like little bit of extra wealth, which literally can be one dollar because we're using an American site, <laughs> go to Patreon. P A T R E O N. Unfortunately, I have to put my name in because I couldn't work out how to put yours in because it would only say is. Uh, Robin Ince is doing a podcast and I felt I couldn't put Robin Ince and Josie Long is doing a podcast <laughs> but you're mentioned a lot underneath as being <laughs> part of it so have, go to do, Patreon do you, do you please a, pledge and support us do you have a theme tune yet? no we don't we need uh, to get hang on. on book shambles book shambles with Robin and Josie there you go thank you very <laughs> hey, much that's really we, that that will, we now need <laughs> you to pledge at least four more dollars to pay for the right to use Sarah Pascoe's very beautiful and very moving <laughs> book shambles theme tune thank you bye bye <laughs>